Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. Our gospel reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. Here ends the reading. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I imagine you're wondering what just happened with the gospel reading. If you're familiar with what's known as the parable of the prodigal son, or even if you're not, you probably know that there's more to the story than that. But what if you didn't? What if these words were new to you? What if you were hearing Jesus tell this story for the very first time? There was a man who had two sons. You might wonder, who is this man? And who are the sons? And what happened between them? And where's their mother? That's the power of story. Jesus taught in many different ways, through his actions, through conversations he had with people he encountered along the way, like the Samaritan woman at the well, and Nicodemus and Zacchaeus, through public sermons, like the Sermon on the Mount, through field trips and object lessons and private conversations with his disciples, students, trainees. And Jesus taught through parables. Parable is from the Greek, and its root is para, alongside, like parallel, and bale, to throw. Parable means to throw things alongside each other. Parables are short stories that reveal truth through comparison, analogy, using one thing to illuminate another. And so parables are, by definition, open to interpretation. They draw us in invite us to find our place in the story, inspire us to reflect and respond. Jesus tells this particular parable as he is on his way to Jerusalem, where he will embody God's love for sinners, that is all of us, in his suffering, death, and resurrection from death to life on the third day for us, and for our salvation. 
And Jesus tells this particular parable in response to scribes and Pharisees, the religious and social authorities in that time and place, the keepers of God's law, as they saw themselves, ones deserving of God's favor and therefore the fellowship of a rabbi like Jesus, who are grumbling that Jesus welcomes and eats with sinners, those who break God's law as the religious authorities see them and who are undeserving of God's favor and therefore also the fellowship of a rabbi like Jesus. And to them, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Here is the younger son who broke his father's heart, who failed to appreciate his father and their relationship and his family, who left home for a distant country, who did not wait for what his father had to give. He asked for all the property that would belong to him, and property would have included the wealth, the estate, the land, all that the family had to live on, it would have represented a significant part of the livelihood of the entire household. In the social structure of that time and place, the eldest son received a double portion of the inheritance, as they would be expected to take over as the patriarch of the family, continue the family line and the family business. And so this younger of two sons is asking for one-third of all the family has and that he would have received when his father died. By asking for it early, he is essentially saying to his father, you're dead to me. All I want from you is money, not time, not care, not relationship. I'm opting out of this family. And the father divides his property between his sons. He gives his livelihood to them. Or, as the phrase reads in Greek, distributes his life. And the younger son takes it, leaves home, and squanders it all. Despite what the older son later assumes, the story doesn't tell us on what exactly the younger son spent all of his money, just that he spent all he had in living with reckless extravagance. Reckless extravagance is the definition 
of prodigal, hence the parable of the prodigal son, until the younger son has nothing left. And then a severe famine hits the land, and in desperation, the younger son hires himself out to a local who sends him out into the field to feed the pigs, which were unclean animals in Jewish practice. And he's so hungry that he would have gladly eaten the slop intended for the animals. And no one helps him out. He is literally starving to death in the dirt. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. Imagine that journey home. Here is the younger son who has lost everything, who is suffering, starving, filthy, who has deeply pained and shamed his father and his family and himself. He knows his father has every right to refuse him, to send him away empty-handed. He has received his full share and can expect nothing more. But he's willing to take the risk. He came to himself and changed Perhaps through hard experience, he came to appreciate his father and their relationship and his family, realized that he didn't have to live like this, accepted his desperate need, and went home. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Here is the father who loves his child, who welcomes him home without hesitation, who celebrates his return with joy. The father runs out to meet his child and hugs him and kisses him. The father does not shame him or punish him or make him pay for what he's done. The father does not count his sins against him. The father welcomes him as his beloved child. The father's call 
for the ring and the robe and the sandals demonstrates that he is still a beloved child in the family. The father's call to kill the fatted calf, a rare and expensive meal, demonstrates that the father will continue to give generously to his child. The father's call for celebration demonstrates his unconditional love, unending grace. His son who was dead is alive, who was lost is found, who was far away is home. This is good news. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Here is the elder son who broke his father's heart, who failed to appreciate his father and their relationship and his family, who stayed home to grumble in a field. He's upset because it's not fair. By rights, the younger son should have been sent away empty-handed. By rights, he had received his full share and should get nothing more. He left. By rights, the older son should get everything. He followed the rules. He worked like a slave for his father for years. He stayed. And so he asks his father, where is the party for that? And he refuses to go home. Like his brother, he leaves his father and his family, fails to appreciate their relationship. Like his brother, he essentially says to his father, all I want from you is money, not time, not care, not a relationship. Like his brother, he fails to appreciate he is a beloved member of the family because he has been too busy working like a slave. He refuses to go home. He will not welcome his younger brother. He will not join the celebration. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. 
he was lost and has been found. Here is the father who loves his child, who welcomes him home without hesitation, to, who invites him to join the celebration. The father goes out to this angry, obstinate, uncharitable child and pleads with him. The father does not punish him or shame him or point out how painful it must be to hear that your own child thinks you're a slave driver with a faulty sense of justice. The father welcomes him as his beloved child, reminds him of their relationship, of his compassion and faithfulness, of all that he has given and will give his child. You are always with me. All that I have is yours. There is no limit on love. Love is recklessly extravagant. Grace given to one child does not take it away from another. There really is enough to share. Come home and join the celebration of life. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're doing this every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you'd like more information about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.